Good morning. I want to begin by saying Merry Christmas. I can see that uh, we have some visitors here and we're delighted to see you. Would love to have you back and uh, grateful to see families together. And uh, we're thankful for family at this time as we reflect on Christmas and this time of year. And uh, so thank you for being here, for making this a part of your week to worship God and to encourage one another. Certainly we can join with that original angelic song that was sung to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. What a beautiful thought that is, isn't it? The glory to God on the highest and peace and goodwill towards men on earth. Isn't that what we need in this world today? We need that peace and goodwill towards mankind, but it only comes through recognizing who God is. Glory to God in the highest. You know, someone once said, that Christmas waves a magic wand over this world and behold, everything is softer and more beautiful. And it's certainly going to be beautiful in Tennessee because I hear we're going to have about 70 degree weather, which doesn't really feel like Christmas, but it'll be good to turn off the heat, won't it? And uh, so I'll certainly enjoy Christmas in the 70s degrees, and I hope you will too. But for Christians, the Christmas hope is something that we we don't just celebrate on December 25th. No, the Christian hope and the Christmas hope is something that we celebrate every day. Christmas is every day for the Christian. There is a hope that was inspired in the nativity in the birth of Jesus. And while we don't know the day in which he was historically born, we do celebrate his advent, his coming to this earth, his being born. I want us to think about a theological term, and it's kind of fancy, but it's very simple in what it means. There is a a term that we use called theophanies. And a lot of times this word theophany is applied to God appearing especially in the Old Testament. And so what I want you to think about how God has presented himself to man, how God has revealed himself to man, how God has appeared to man over the history of mankind. Well, he came to Moses and he appeared to Moses as what? A burning bush. And in fact, that burning bush spoke to Moses. And it says, take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy ground. Remember that. God appeared to Moses out there in that desert, out there in that wilderness as a burning bush. That bush was not consumed, was it? But kept burning. Or do you remember when God appeared on Mount Sinai 
There was thunderings and there was lightnings. And in fact, the people said, let not God speak with us lest we die. Very dramatic. God was appearing to Moses and the people of Israel. There was a theophany. And it was dramatic and it caught the attention of the people, didn't it? So much so they said, hey, Moses, we want you to be the one to talk to us. We're scared to hear the voice of God. Or there's these appearances by what is called the angel of the Lord, which many times happens. In fact, the scriptures speak of some 60 times the angel of the Lord appears to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And remember, Jacob wrestles with the angel and he says, I have seen God face to face by wrestling this angel of the Lord. And remember that the angel said to Jacob, what is your name? Because Jacob had once put on another name, hadn't he? He put on his brother Esau's name. And this moment of confronting God, the angel of the Lord, was a moment of truth. Who are you? My name is Jacob. These appearances to God. And then also you have Isaiah and Ezekiel and John of Revelation where these apocalyptic visions come to them. And what happens is Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips. I am a man undone when God appears to him. It says Ezekiel falls on his face. It says of John in Revelation that when I beheld him, I fell on my face as dead. As dead. All of these appearances and manifestations of God. But then you get to Christmas. You get to the nativity of Jesus. To the appearance of God in Christ. And how does he appear? How does God appear to humanity? He doesn't come in a grand vision. He doesn't come as a thundering voice with lightning. He comes as a little infant baby to mankind. Have you ever thought what that means for God to come as an infant child to this world. It says in the scriptures, this was prophesied in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It was prophesied hundreds of years that God would appear as a child. And in fact, in the story that we read in Matthew chapter 2, it says they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. God appearing as a child. And think about that story that, number one, it offers a fascination, doesn't it? A fascination and wonder that even children understand, don't they? That when you tell the story of the birth of Jesus, children's ears and faces light up, don't they? 
They want to hear about the child Jesus. Also, it has also given us this universal feeling that's in the story of Jesus because all of us in some way in our families have seen the birth of a loved one, a birth of a niece, a birth of a child, a birth of a grandchild. And we know how special those moments are. And we also see in the Christmas story, the nativity of Jesus, how important family is. This little family in Bethlehem And there's a child at the center of the story. Just a little child. An infant. Here's another verse that we can turn to to think about how great of a manifestation this is. When Paul said in Romans 11, he said, Oh, the depth of the riches both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. There is a wisdom And there is a depth to this of Jesus coming to this earth of God appearing in human flesh. You see, God came to this earth. God came to us in our humanity. God came to us in our finitude. God came to us in our brokenness. God came to us in our sorrow, in our joy, and in our life. God came to us in death. God did. One writer once said, nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is this truth of the incarnation. And that is another theological technical term that describes God being born into human flesh. It's called the incarnation. And many have thought And reflected on what is happening in Jesus coming to this earth. One writer said it like this. In the incarnation, God the Son takes the body and human soul of Jesus. And through that, the whole environment of nature, all the creaturely predicament into His own being. So that He came down from heaven can almost be transposed into heaven drew earth up into it. And locality, limitation, sleep, sweat, butch sore, weariness, frustration, pain, doubt, and death are from before all worlds known by God from within. The pure light walks the earth. The darkness received into the heart of deity is there swallowed up. Where except in the uncreated light can the darkness be drowned? To begin to understand God manifesting Himself as a child. There's a lot to it, isn't there? I want to give you just a few points this morning as to what this means. As to what it means for God to come to this world as a child. The first thing that I want to tell you is is that number one, number one, this is important, This is good. Number one, nothing is impossible. I want you to wrap your minds and hearts around that. If God can come to this earth as a child, nothing is impossible. And we live in a world of cynics, 
skeptics, naysayers, or eors. And we don't believe in anything anymore. But when God appears as a child, it tells us nothing is impossible. And it also means that God is not removed from us. God is not disinterested in us. No, in fact, it means God is very intently interested in what's going on in your life, so much so that He came to this earth as a child. The Creator is active in this world. There's this idea going around that God is so far away, so disinterested in us. Why would He care about us? But when you read the story of Jesus, He not only is interested in us, He loves us. That's why He's here. He's not removed. And that means His will is accomplished through both natural and supernatural means. God is not limited by my imagination. God is not limited by what I can think He can do or what He can't do. When Jesus is born into this world, it tells us nothing. And in fact, when the angel appears to Mary, Gabriel... He appears to Mary, right? And Mary is giving this news. You are with child. She says, wait a minute. I'm old enough to know that you can't have a child unless you've known a man. And what does the angel say? For with God, nothing is impossible. think you will remember that tonight when you pray? Will you remember that with God nothing is impossible? And I've got proof for you. You want proof that nothing is impossible? Jesus is God as a child. In fact, Jesus says, ask and it will be given you. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and ye shall find, didn't he? What the birth of Jesus tells us is that nothing is impossible. Number two, it tells us that it's about spiritual rebirth. Spiritual rebirth. You see, Christ came to be born of humanity that we might be born of God. In fact, this is the way that John describes it in John chapter 1, 12 and 13. He says, But as many as received Him... To them He gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, Jesus' birth on earth means that I can be reborn of God. What What were we born into when we came to this earth? Let me tell you what you were born into. You were born into corruption, weren't you? You were born into death. Because the minute you come to this earth, the clock starts ticking, doesn't it? 
It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment, it says in Hebrews 9.27. Every one of us are waiting for that appointment that we have that none of us want. But Christ is born into this world that we might be born of God. That we might be reborn spiritually. He was born that we may not die. He died that we may, might be born in eternity. Remember when he had that conversation about new birth that no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless what? They're born from above, born again. Nicodemus asked, what must I do to be born again? And he says, born of the water and of the Spirit. And Christ's birth is a reversal of that corruption that we have in this life. Number three, the birth of a child also shows us the sacrifice of Jesus. A lot of times when we start thinking about the sacrifice of Jesus, we immediately go to the cross. And certainly that is when His suffering and His sacrifice was punctuated. But the sacrifice of Jesus wasn't just on the cross. No, in fact, the sacrifice of Jesus began the day that He was born. Because Jesus was born poor. Jesus was born into pain. Jesus was born into sickness. Jesus was born into temptation. He began to sacrifice for us the minute He came to this earth. Remember what Philippians chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. When did Jesus begin to suffer? When did He begin to sacrifice? The minute He was born into this earth. He fashioned Himself as a servant. I hope that teaches us something. Because there is a grace that we find in the humility of Jesus. There is a grace that we find in His servanthood. There's a grace that we find in the will of God. What else do we see in the child of Jesus? Is number four, reconciliation. Reconciliation means to bring together, doesn't it? And when you think about the person of Jesus, He is quite literally, listen to this, He is quite literally humanity and divinity together. And it's only through Christ that that Reality can happen. It's only through Jesus, fully human, fully divine, that reconciliation can happen for the world. That's why in Romans 5, Paul says, For it was when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ 
through whom we have now received reconciliation. Jesus is the very picture of the reconciliation of God and humanity in Himself. What a blessing that is. But we also find, lastly, God's created love in Jesus. It says in that prophecy in Isaiah 9:6, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. Does that sound familiar? Fast forward to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God gave His Son. And in that gift is the true knowledge of His love. So today as we look at Jesus' birth, it's in the impossibility of Christ that we begin to believe. Because if, if it's possible, it really doesn't require much faith, does it? In fact, we wouldn't even call it faith. We'd call it something else. We'd call it probability, wouldn't we? But it's in the impossibility of Jesus that faith begins to work. And it's without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe and receive the things. It's in Christ's birth that we find our spiritual rebirth, isn't it? It's in Christ's sacrifice that we find our own surrender to His will. It's in His humanity and divinity that we find reconciliation to God. And it's in Christ that we find the creative love of God. Christ came to this world. He was born into this world. And it's changed a lot of things. It's been for good. But I have one question for you today. Will you let Him be born in you? Will you let Christ be born in you? Will you let that impossible faith be born in you? Will you let that spiritual renewal and new birth be born in you? Will you let that surrender to God's will be born in you today? Will you let that love that God has for this world be born in you? Let Christmas and the nativity of Christ mean more. Let it mean a birth in your life. Because once that's born in you, there's no fear of death anymore. Because Christ has overcome the fear of death. He's overcome the fear of sin. He's overcome evil. Let Christmas live in you. Let Christ live in you. This morning, do you know Jesus? Do you know the humble Christ who came to us not as a soldier, not as an emperor, but as Jesus? When you learn who Jesus is, it, it changes who you are fundamentally. You repent of sin. You turn from that sin that destroys this world. This world's being eaten up 
by selfishness, by greed and avarice and pride and pleasure and all these things. You turn from that to the living God through Christ. Confess Him to be who He is just as Peter did. I believe that you are the Son of God to Christ. And be baptized, immersed in His body. Let Christ be born in you. Or maybe you've let this world get in your way. Or maybe you need prayers of encouragement or healing. We want to offer that to you this morning. We're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.